Spongebob ready because he says I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready what never got into Spongebob a little before my time first like or two after or my time a little after my time first like two or three seasons really good I, I I loved it it was so good welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast it's uh Tuesday Tuesday 2 22 22 2 2 2 2 2 2 2 that's Ian on Tuesday we're going to have a fun time today. What are we talking about today, Ian? Why don't you run down the show for a Oh, change? I mean, we're running down some stuff. So we're going to talk about uh, a big collection being found. Um, we're well, gonna... well, it's a store, old store find. Well, yeah, it's it's uh, all the old stock. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Street Fighter Six being announced. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to talk about a certain CFO for a certain video game company. Yeah, why not? Uh, running his dumb mouth. Um, we're going to talk about the Nintendo 3DS and Wii Shop going bye-bye, and uh, some of your uh, phone calls, <laughs> some of your some of your voicemails. Oh God, are you this on? Are you tanking this on pur- purpose so you never have to do it again? Because you're doing a great job. It, it's like when oh you're a God. kid and your mom asks you to do dishes, so you drop the first one. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what the hell I put up with? Okay. Um, <laughs> it's how fine. Was, how, was good. Your, how was your weekend, Dean? My weekend was actually spectacular. Uh, okay. Very, uh, very tired. It's Tuesday. Um, <laughs> it is all day. Uh, but my weekend was good and long. I had a social life. Uh, it's overrated sometimes, though, because it's very exhausting. I played D&D on uh, Friday night. Um, we ran late. I took barbecue chicken. It was a great time. It's wonderful. A giant bear break in and and steal it? No, no bears broke in. But if you want to hear about uh, a lot of bear news, a lot of bear topics, hot goss, um, Hank the Tank News, tune in to our bonus segments that you can get on our Patreon at patreon.com slash CU podcast. Sucks at running down the show. Awesome at pimping the Patreon. I'm good at it. (laughs) Uh, I have my my positives. Uh, I played house music for some people on Saturday night. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Uh, it was also Chris's first time uh, DJing outside of the home, out of the home, and DJing training. And uh, he, he did he did really, really, really well. He was very nervous, but he did oh. he did fucking fantastic. Um, and then Sunday, I uh, went to Raglan House. Oh, oh, okay. We went to Raglan without Pat. Okay, uh, I don't remember that next time I go to Mitch's. Okay, okay. I- I, uh, okay. yeah, sorry. I, uh, okay. John was down to record and we went to Raglan and man, I had it's, the meat pies. So good. I had a meat pies. It's the same meat that it's a burger. I, I always get the, the meat pies have become my go to. It's a 50 50 beef and lamb. Okay. So. Gravy, cheese, flaky pastry crust. See, I never go for meat pies. I'm not a meat pie oh, guy. God, it's so good. Maybe that's because I'm not a. Comes with a side of zesty gravy for dipping. That's maybe that's, maybe that's more of a thing across the pond. If you're Maybe from that heritage, if you're like Irish and Scottish, you eat more of that stuff. I, mean, I think that might be why I love them. I mean, because I love. I never had them growing up. Almost never had it. Like, a... I love meat pies. I love patties. I love empanadas. I love any handheld food delivery device. Meat pie is not handheld. 
A meat pie is absolutely handheld. We're talking little meat pies, man. Oh, you're talking about the big one you cut up? You oh, cut up? Talking about a little meat pie. What are those called? When you make a pie with a meat. A mince pie. A mince pie. Okay. Uh, oh, no, no. A mince meat pie is a fruit pie. A mince say. pie. Mince meat is actually a fruit pie. Yes. You can't, but mince is what they call ground beef. Okay. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. So these are handheld ones. Yeah. They're like fruit pies, like a hostess pie, basically. Yeah, or like, I think they call them pasties in England. But why would you go there and not get the best burger in San Diego? Because it's one of the best meat pies I've ever had, and it's the same same meat. Okay. Same meat. Okay. I mean, you go go to Raglan House because they're using really good organic beef. And they'll cook your shit to whatever temperature you want, including like basically not touched at all. I love. I love ordering it legally, and you're kind of kind of narking them out there. No, no, uh, they they said that they can because of the organic beef. Oh, really? So it's safer. There's there's going to be salmonella. I don't know if that means anything, but uh, yeah, you go there and order your go there and order your burger. E. coli. That E. coli. E. coli. Sometimes. Yeah, salmonella. Not a raglan. Highest quality meat. Highest quality meats. Please, anyway, so, please be a sponsor of us. I don't know how that worked out since like no one else knows about Raglan. We're gonna have to ask you to travel down, like get people to travel. Come to down the here. two locations in California where there's a Raglan. I think there's two. They have there's two. Two. They have three restaurants, but Raglan is one of them. And from what I've heard, Raglan is the best of them. But they're all kind of New Zealandy restaurants. New Zealandy, yeah, restaurants. New Zealandy. Raglan Zealandy. Public House is the full name. Um, I watched the NBA All Star Weekend. Yeah. Which is like three day event. It's cel- it's a celebration of the sport. Like no other sport has like this, like three day celebration. You know, yeah, baseball they do the, they do the uh, home run derby. That's about it. No one cares that much. It's like the one event. NHL has a lot of cool events. NHL's got it down. NHL has speed, accuracy, breakaway contests for goalies. Say NHL definitely is pretty. They had cool. a cool thing at the fountains at the at the Bellagio where they like you you're li- they're literally in the middle of the giant fountain and are shooting pucks into little like targets. It was. Oh, that's that's awesome! They they did blackjack twenty one with like you shoot a puck little, up, little you, fun you hit the cards. Games. Oh yeah, no, it was great. <laughs> NHL <clears throat> NHL tries all this shit because NHL is the least popular mainstream right, sport, so they can so they can just try that shit. My voice keeps cracking. They can just keep throwing shit at the wall. But I watched. And see what okay, so I watched the NHL one a couple weeks ago. I was like, this is fun. This is fun. I always watch as a kid, and they had the hardest shot as well, and the accuracy of shooting. Remember Messier won it the one year. He got all four in a row, whatever, all five. But anyway. But the NBA one's a whole like celebration of, of like culture. There's hip hop stuff and like it's an event. So they have they have the first day they have like the Rising Stars contest. Um, then the second night they have um, the all the skills contests. Well, no, they added a skills contest. They did a team skills contest where they do like almost like targets on uh, the court. It's a three person team. Targets on the court with different points. And then there's also like a passing thing. All three players pass the moving targets. That was new. So that's like the first night. Second night, then they do the traditional uh, three-point contest, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, and they do the dunk contest, which this year was controversial because it sucked. Because this year, the dunk contest, no one could do dunks. It was really embarrassing. There was like one person that like tried it really? ten times. Yes. They got, they got players that should not have been in the contest, I hate to say it, because they weren't getting close to it. Sure. They got Juan Toscano Anderson from, from the Warriors, who's a fringe player, who puts up a lot of heart. But should not have been in the contest. They should have like, got. Like should have pulled the trampoline out. <laughs> almost. They should have got like Kaminga, the rookie who has had insane dunk stats, an athletic freak at like whatever nineteen or twenty. Right. So that's why people become more critical because used to be the, used to be the stars used to do the dunk contest. They yeah. don't anymore. They haven't in forever. But why? Jalen Rose had a nice thing saying the newer generation doesn't want to grow the game as much. They're more about if I don't get paid, I don't want to be a part right. of it. Right. 
Like back in the day, Jordan did it, and Dominique Wilkins and Vince Carter. Kobe did it, I think, a year or two. So, like, they wanted to help, like, you know, put yourself on a pedestal. Like, people were saying, why isn't John Morant doing it? The, the guy's one of the most explosive dunkers. Right. You know, he, he put his head almost above the rib, and he's only like 6'3 or 6'4. It's not. And they, they questioned him, and he's like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. And it's like, okay. So that sucked, and that closed the night, unfortunately. Uh... Then the All Star game was nuts. 75th anniversary. So at, at halftime, they had all the people, all the 75th that were still alive, come out, and obviously some of them are passed away because NBA's started in what? God, it's 47. Um, but there was even some of the old timers from the first, say, 10, 15 years were, were still there, 60 years later. And then obviously some people didn't show up, like Larry Bird and like like uh, Tim Duncan. They just waved in front of the screen. They got in the way. But it was still like heartfelt to see all the players come out one right. after the other. And then the rumors were, because it's Jordan, that Jordan was going to be there. He was there earlier in the day at some NASCAR event or whatever. And then he showed up, and he was the last one. They went forwards, the top oh. forwards, top centers. I'm guessing it was 25, 15, 25. It's probably what the breakdown was or something like that. Whoop. I'm surprised Bird wasn't there. Uh, or maybe the breakdown was how to do the math on that. So it's double the amount of guards and forwards versus centers. So Jordan was the last one. It was the last three were Steph, Magic, and Jordan. That was probably planned. Uh, to have something like that. Um, and Makes when, sense. And yeah. when Jordan came out, it was like, yeah, it was like a holy event. Like The crowd went nuts. And it's like, yes, this this is the man. Right. This is the man. Even though people argue that you know, Kareem's one of the goats or one of the best. It's like this generation doesn't know Kareem. He stopped playing, what, 89 like 30, or 30 years ago. But when Jordan came out, it was like, holy shit, it's Jordan. Everyone nuts. And then meanwhile, uh, Steph Curry was getting booed uh, because obviously, you know, he's crushed Cleveland uh, for a few of those. Yes, with help. Don't start an argument. Without Steph, they wouldn't have won any of those. Um, and then he then turns around and uh, hits 16 threes in the game. <laughs> it's fucking wild. And, like, running – the reason I love Steph Curry is because he it's literally like you're watching a game of NBA Jam. Like, you're literally watching someone hit shots they should not be hitting when they're on. Like Sure. He literally takes a shot from, like, 40 feet during the game. Twice he did this, but one in particular. He takes a shot. And it's halfway, it's in the, the air, like whatever, 40 feet in the air. He turns and runs away, knowing it's going to go in. <laughs> like no one else does these things. Right. The rest of the players are looking at him like you are an alien. <clears throat> he's he, already done the math um, that that ball is going in. It's, he's on such a, even other players say he's on such a higher level of, of, like, of like what he's doing that you can't compare it. And you likely will never see this happen again. Right. It's almost one of those things where, like, yeah, it's possible, but he's, like, reached this other point of knowing the touch on these shots. Like, it's – you can't you can't almost train for that. Like, you train for that, but he's at this other level well, now. You can train to a certain degree, but, yeah, it's – there's still – Yeah. Like you're just no born else, with some of that. No. He went, like, 16 – it was like he missed the last four or five threes. People are like, oh, he's washed or making jokes because he was tired. You can't throw up 25 threes – from 40 feet and not be tired in a game. Right. And plus all the energy. <laughs> but he hit like the first 16 of like 22, which is nuts. Like 75, 80%, you know? And then he hit like a teardrop in the fourth where he like, th- with his left hand, threw it up 20 feet in the air from like 12 feet. And it, from the baseline, it just it just went it just went in. Like just, it was nuts. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a Curry fanboy sometimes. Curry and Clay, my two, my two boys there. So uh, Street Fighter Six was announced over the weekend. There was a big countdown thing that was released about a week ago. And uh, it 
coincided, I think, with the end of the Capcom Pro Tour, something like that. So everyone was like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, uh, the Street Fighter 6 announcement. You know, they're going to show off the game or something like that. <clears throat> and uh, they did. They uh, they announced Street Fighter 6. Uh, they did not really show it off. Um, that was, uh, I think, the majority of that time was spent talking about the Capcom Fighting Collection, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, so they didn't really show anything. It was more like an announcement of an announcement. It was like, yeah, Street Fighter's being worked on. We know that. It, um, it, it, it hit with the impact of um, when Bethesda did that um, Elder Scrolls Six trailer like two years ago at... at uh, Two e years ago. Was it more than that at this point? Two, three years ago at E3 where it was just Elder Scrolls Six, and it was a camera flying over mountain. like a landscape. It's yeah, like literally like a mountain and some trees. And that was that was it. This showed an extremely wide and beefy reel. I was going to say, I did see the meme of him looking like Kylo Ren in the, was it, ep the last, in the episode eight, The Last Jedi, where like Kylo Ren is like really super beefy, almost like old school man. Like, he looks like a deli ham still in its wrapper, just trying to like burst out. It's ridiculous. I hate it. It's how like muscular bleeding men were like in the 50s and 40s. Like they weren't well defined, but they were still beefy. But anyway, so yeah, Ryu was looking thick. Yeah. Looking uh, really thick. A lot of thick. Really wa like wide. Like Hank, like Hank the Tank Bear. Really wide. Uh, a real, a real thickness. Um, the logo. Is bad. Is that the big takeaway? Not not him talking to this other character for twenty seconds. Uh, no, who's I, the other character? I don't know. I can't recall who the it US was. Character? Yeah, I don't. I don't recall who it was. Um, but the logo. Some, some of the logo. The yeah. logo. Uh, Street Fighter Six logo is bad. Uh, it looks like a budget UFC app. Uh, logo that you would maybe see a budget UFC like like a logo someone would make for bootleg UFC streams. You all right, little one? Oh, sorry, that's a, that's a Genshin Impact ad loading on IGN. Yeah, weird. And then uh, the six looks like the little notifications badge that tells you you've got to get rid of some notifications on like your, your text messages. So it's a, how many sizes? One, two, it's, three. It's four, a hexagon. It's a hexagon. <clears throat> six sides. For six. Oh. It's a hexagon oh. with the letters S and F on the inside. It looks like a superhero team logo. That's what it looks like. A shitty one. Yes, because it's it's just white, a white hexagon and a Flat white design. And there's just a six in the corner. Yeah, and the and six really does look like one of those little nagging icons that tells you to check your, like, messages on your phone. And so every Street Fighter logo is usually looks somewhat the same font or has some sort of red and yellow motif and some flames involved. And this said, fuck you. We're not we're we're not doing any of that. We're just gonna pull what seems to be an Adobe stock image and just literally modify it for like three seconds. A lot of people have been like, "Well, it's just the logo." That's true, but it does also kind of speak to like the amount of effort that people are putting uh, into something going forward. This is your this is I mean you're you're supposed to be this is your announcement of the game. Put your best foot forward. <clears throat> um, so a lot of people are like, "Well, it's probably a placeholder." <laughs> we like placeholder stuff I'm yeah we do so maybe it is a placeholder <laughs> uh hopefully that would be hopefully that'll be the case because after looking into it uh this is literally a uh stock logo that you can buy from i believe it's adobe for 80 dollars um with some slight modifications to the f and i think the points maybe on so, the s but you can it's it was clearly a starting point <clears throat> uh is a different modified version seemingly uses a logo for the SF Connection sci-fi connection in France. Ah. 
Oh, boy. So, Capcom, we know you have some artists on staff. They're obviously because they're making their games. You couldn't have someone in even a couple hours mock up something with flames. Like, even this logo, Ian, had the yellow and red sort of font colors with some flames attached. It would be 100 times better than this. Because it's like gray gray and white are not Street Fighter colors. Like, like it, they're just not. So why do that? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Um, the other thing I'd point out about it is that... People say like they're trying to go for that like generic esports market, and I can see uh, that. That is a very generic esportsy looking logo. But that's not the audience for this. I mean, it is a little bit like it's it is, of, but they're not. You're not going to gain. More, you're not yeah, going to no. bring more people into the Street Fighter fold by making it look boring and dumb. No, it's a it's a heralded fighting game series. Yeah. It's not. You can do whatever you want with Street Fighter. It's the longest running fighting game series. It's the granddaddy. The new logo could be pink and sparkly. It doesn't matter. So just kind of <sighs> stick with your tradition. Okay. Make a new logo. Do you like the, the if that's going to be the graphic style? Do you care about that? You know, it's a two D game. Like, do you care about them? It's on the RE engine. I don't know. We'll. I'll have to see pictures of it when they show more. I'm not particularly excited about the visual direction of this. The beefness. That just, just I know it's just an initial impression, thought, but no. Speaking of impressions, some people thought that Ryu was showing some junk in his pants. Oh. I think that was. I think that was. I think that was a, like a shadow effect. But if, if they if they took the time to draw that out, mm-hmm. but not a real logo, <laughs> we want to show little uh, little Ryu uh, down there. Little, little, show, little Ryu, little Ryu, beefy Ryu. Um, so also oh, announced God. at the same time and given uh, more attention. Something that I'm Ryu's, very very Ryu's excited junk. about uh, is the Capcom Fighting Collection was announced. Um, with an official trailer, uh, 10 games that have, I think, a lot of fighting game fans have been looking for. Uh, one in particular getting its first ever. I can't. I can't. Sorry, Ajin. I can't. I can't do any more with your auto loading ads. I can't do it. Uh, I mean, just turn it down. No, no, they're off. And then they put them on for the ad. Hmm. Sorry. Um, it's going to include Darkstalkers, the Night Warriors. Night Warriors, Dark Soccer's Revenge, Vampire Savior, The Lord of Vampire, Vampire Hunter 2, Vampire Savior 2, Red oh. Earth. I believe that's the first time Red Earth is coming to consoles. Never heard of it. Cyberbots, Super Gem Fighter Mini Mix, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, and Hyper Street Fighter 2. Um, that being the only those. Street Fighter because the collection, the 30th anniversary collection was released a couple of years ago. There's yes. no need for another collection or those to be on here. Um, that's really exciting. Uh, especially for me to see all the Darkstalkers games together. Um, I love those. Vampire Savior is a favorite of mine in uh, Vani's. Vani's got the arcade board for it, so um, very excited for that. Hyper Fighting is just trash. They just threw it on. Definitely excited to uh, play Red Earth and check that out. I have not heard of that game. Looked it up, Red Earth. Um, Like I said, CPS3, one of the only other CPS3 games. 96, okay. So this looks like it's going to be good. Uh, all of them with rollback netcode. Woo! Um, I'm excited. Quality of life features and improvements. Don't know what those are going to be yet, but obviously it'll be interesting to see. So, yeah, super excited for that. And it, it comes out really soon. It comes out June 24th. All right, so you're excited. Yep. So. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I haven't played Vampire Savior. I've I played, um, do- uh, yeah, I played uh, Darkstalkers. A little bit when it was, but I don't remember playing it much. But I remember, I remember Seaside playing that, and I don't know if I played Cyberbots. I don't remember seeing that in an arcade. No, I don't think I ever did. did that either. come out here. That one might have had a Saturn port, but I don't think it never came out. Oh, that's here, interesting. Either way, that's interesting. That's a nice little thing. And obviously, uh, I'm in love with Puzzle Fighter. 
I'm in love with Puzzle Fighter. Gem Fighter, I like as well as much, but I remember Puzzle Fighter liking it a lot more. Oh, I love, well, I mean, they're uh, two completely different games. Yeah, so One's said, a fighting game. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I love Super Puzzle Fighter. It's great. No, they're, they're fun. Okay, yeah, Cyberbots did get a release on Saturn and PlayStation. It's just always confusing when I was on the main cameras. Which one's Gem Fighter? Which one's Puzzles? Like, I want the I want the puzzle one. So it's Puzzle. The puzzle <laughs> game has Puzzle in the yes. name. And it's brilliant because you because uh, the fighters had different combos based upon uh, the patterns of. Uh, so there's ones that have easier combos for vertical. Mm-hmm. Some have diagonal, and you could go from almost dead to screw sc- like messing someone up really quickly. That game is very momentum based. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I would probably buy that on its own, to be honest. So oh, yeah. That's, that's great. With online play, fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, so there you go, Ian. Um, speaking of pro pro gaming, this is a, a fun, weird story. Uh, pro gamer fired after saying men under five feet seven uh, don't have human rights. Uh, this is a Kotaku article. The Tekken esports pro uh, pro made the peculiar remarks during a, a, a Cyclops athlete gaming online stream. Professional Tekken player uh, Tana Kuna has been booted from Osaka-based esports team Cyclops Athlete Gaming for a remark she made about men's heights during a live stream, following a recent spate of far more incendiary remarks. Wow, okay. Uh, Tana, uh, Tanu Kana has been on one. Um, February 15th stream, Tana Kuna said men who are under 170 centimeters, which is 5 foot 6.9 inches, don't have human rights. She added they should look into getting bone lengthening surgery. Uh, wow. Okay. Uh, interesting enough, the average height for men in Japan is about five feet seven inches. So she's like, "That's her cutoff for human rights." Um, um, uh, she okay. also said people with A cup breasts don't have human rights. Oh, okay. Equal opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. She certainly <laughs> seems to have a record of saying terrible things. Has stuck up earlier comments that she made in a live stream in 2020, in which she apparently told someone during a stream to kill themselves and that they were the trashiest trash from society. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, while well, someone in the West might interpret her remarks as a poor meme or a joke, in Japan, it set off a firestorm online with people calling it discriminatory. Uh, and now the lead tweet that you can see here, uh, Tana, Tanu Kuna wrote, It was pointed out that my, to my stream, it was pointed out. Uh, to, uh, that my stream contained hate speech. She added this was not her intention and that she poorly expressed her love of tall people. You know, you can say I love tall people without saying short people don't have human rights. I think there's a different way of, of expressing these sentiments. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. Oh, boy. Uh, she for- she apologized, but it was hardly the kind of formal apology that's become expected in Japan. This made people online even more upset. Wow. Okay, that's uh, that's fun. That's a fun story. All right, <laughs> you all have rights at ultimatenintendo.com. You all do. Yeah, I don't discriminate. You can buy whatever uh, guidebooks you want there. Oh, that's Namble capitalism. Uh, absolutely, uh, your your money's good for RBI baseball stickers. Doesn't matter your height. Your I love, money's good. I love short people's money, tall people's money. Ian loves them all as well. Medium people's money, medium people's money, uh, as well. Uh, I'll be on Twitch. Wednesday, twitch.tv slash ContraCode, showing the best of 70s, 80s. I and won't be on Twitch Wednesday. It should be. And we're going to both be at the uh, SoCal Gaming Expo this weekend, February 26th and 27th, at the Ontario Convention Center. Is that convention? It's my convention proof? dance. A little convention it's dance. My little convention dance. Right there. Oh, and uh, we'll have fun. It's, it's our first convention together in about... Holy crap. 86 years. I was going to say 18 months, but no, it is uh, 30 months. Yeah. 30 months? Yeah. Yeah. Over two years. 
Two and a half years there. Is this big, big news, Ian? What? Big, big news! Uh, A game hall found 27 years later in a storage unit in Nebraska. Um, Hundreds of sealed SNES games. Gotta do it once. Sealed! Um, Also Genesis games there. 3DO. Uh, so hundreds of unopened SNES, Sega, and 3DO games sitting in a Nebraska storage facility since 1994 when a store shut down and everything was put into storage. There's a video that you can see of them going through it with things like Breath of Fire 2, um, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Trigger uh, Final Fantasy 3, Gunstar Gunstar Heroes. Heroes, one I could remember yesterday. Yeah. The run and gun shooter by Capcom that has a dude with brown hair. I thought it was Capcom. That was literally what you said. Has a dude with brown hair and a red cover. Because of the video, the problem with this video, uh, who found this scene real quick? Uh, I don't know who did find it. Um, It's a YouTube channel called This Is Game Room. Ah, yes. And they're dealers uh, as well. Uh, This video's got 170,000 views. Nebraska-based game reseller Game Room. Probably not a lot of stuff going on in Nebraska to find, but they found this. Two staff Um, members identified as Chris and John. That's who they are. Chris and John. So this video is like a one-take sort of shaky cam. You can see some of it. Uh, God, it doesn't focus on anything. There's like three. looks like Mario's Missings. There's a few SimCities. Baseball Simulator. Hyperstone. Charles and Genesis. Hyperstone Heist. Yeah. Okay. Street Fighter Turbos. There's a lot here, and a lot of these is multiple copies of the games, too. Mm-hmm. When, you, when, you, when you kind of break this down, when you look at it. Splatterhouse 3 sealed. There you go. That's, oh, yeah, that one's right in the beginning. That's right in the beginning. I'm going through this. So, yeah, they, they, got, they got gold here. They got gold. It was a closed store. I guess we don't know what store it was. That's not in this article, is it? We're not privy to that not information. privy to that. Um. Thousands of classic titles, it says. Thousands. Thousands. It says hundreds here. Then the article says thousands. So I don't get why I would say hundreds in the, in the title, then say thousands. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's a lot of money nowadays, obviously. It's a shitload. With, with this market, that's that could be that's seven figures. Yeah. For sure. Because a Chrono Trigger by itself goes for thousands and upon thousands at this nuts. It also, it also depends on what these are great at, but if this was a game store, and most of these are probably like, you know, sort of new. They got them new to sell, you know. You think these are going to get straight straight graded and slabbed? Yeah, at this point. This will be the Nebraska collection. Or whatever the the Nebraska collection. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, that's what they're going to call it. Um Chris and John are, this is a game rant article. Chris and John are later seen with organized tubs of, of Super Nintendo, 3DO, Genesis, Saturn, and Sega CD. Oh, missed that. Uh, the pair reiterate most of what they found are widely available games. There were still plenty of unopened gems to make up for, including Ninja Turtles 4 and Sunset Riders. Well, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but widely available doesn't fucking mean anything at this point. Well, no, because these people that are buying the sealed games don't give a shit about if the game's rare or not. It has nothing to do with it. We, don't, we already said that. It doesn't matter if the game's rare or not. It has nothing to do with the pricing. It doesn't matter. That is what we have said. <laughs> You're goofy today. Yeah. Hank the Tank Bear got you goofy. Yeah, Hank did get me goofy. Um, uh, yeah, I don't want a lot more to say about it because I would love to have seen just a list, but they probably want to, quote unquote, protect their investment. Not, you know, because if they, if they found a game that's like 20 sealed copies of a game that's, 
What, what's so funny? To quote unquote protect their investment. I, well, I mean, like because like that, there's the the only reason you don't reveal what you found is because you want to bring this stuff to market probably slowly. Right. If they, no, if, if they say they've uh, got ten of them, if, 20, if they've yeah. got ten or twenty of a really popular game, then that first one's not going to go for nearly as much because people are going to or they'll dwindle. Wait, yeah, they'll, they'll dwindle. Right. So I understand that. But I get they, it too. But they said the reason that, the reason they said they didn't uh, want to reveal. All the amount was for uh, where's the exact quote, Ian? That uh, about this? Oh, yeah, this is dumb. Um, they said it was for they want to preserve the games and document them. That's what I saw. The quote was, yeah, um, they're preserved. They've been preserved. I w- people got to stop throwing the word preservation around. I mean, yes, they're preserved. Uh, throwing these in a in a in a. I mean, sell them, make your money. Uh, even throw them in the plastic cases if that's what you want to do. But don't. You're not preserving them. The, preservation is, 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 is making sure we have access to these things like a library for years and years to come. This is not, that's not preservation. I, all those games are retail releases. They've been preserved. Yeah, I mean, they're not thrown in the trash, but they're preserved. In terms of documenting them, you document... They're documented. Sealed games by making a, a, like a list, saying this is what we got. So, I mean, no, I get it. It's just funny how, you know... It is what it's a big fight. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's it, it, is. it, it could change their lives uh, selling these these games. You know, I, I wonder. I wonder. There's nothing about how much they bought it for, or like if it was an auction against other people, like a like a um, storage war sort of auction, like what they got it for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's always interesting. But this stuff is always out there. Every every year or so, we talk we talk about. Uh, Fines like this, like the the, the huge uh, treasure trove, all the sealed. Remember the mass toys in South America somewhere? Oh yeah, that was like crazy. To, like to the ceiling of them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't every single mass toy, but it was like whatever eight to ten different ones. They had tons of them out there. This stuff happens. We're not crazy when we say this stuff. No, we're not. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got to say about about that. Uh, the CFO of Intellivision has a lot to say in the comments on Start Engine, though. Too much like, to say. Uh, yeah. Too much to say. In a way, it's w- worse than the f- the former CEO because this person actually has some financial knowledge but still has the same sort of, like, overly aggressive and defensive stance. Well, know? and also uh, the the former CEO was at least somehow – uh, charming to a, a number of people. I know, right, right. I know, but this guy is not charming to anyone. Oh no, no. Nick Richards is not a charming individual. He no. he he kills prairie dogs. No, prairie dogs are not enamored with Nick Richards. No, they're not. Not not just kills and laughs prairie, at it. Laughs at it and uploads videos that he then you know takes down when he realizes people guy. We got the footage, Nick. By the way, like people, we we the videos we have those videos. Anyway, enough about his murder preferences. Yes. Yes. Enough about genocide of, of cute little animals. Um, let's talk about let's talk about um, some of his responses here. The, the thing about the responses from Nick is that he brings up haters a lot to potential investors. That haters, do you realize how crazy you have to sound to constantly bring up haters to professional investors? 
how can you give a person... Your ship is sinking, and you're using the term haters? Because that's what they glom onto. They can't realize that, hey, listen, um, at this point, we're just trying to pay off uh, our own salaries and loans with interest. So we got to blame the haters for our failures, not the fact that this is an ill-conceived product that was run by people that, uh, I think I said, uh, Tommy Tuberger shouldn't be running a hot dog stand, let alone a video game company. And this is the sort of group you have when you have a bunch of yes men that see a bunch of they, – they thought they could take advantage of the, the video game community the same way Mike Kennedy thought he could with the, uh, with the chameleon. We can just take advantage of them and just bank on nostalgia. Unfortunately, they took advantage of a, a bunch of investors who didn't know better. Uh, if, the, if not, this would have never gotten this point. This would have been gone a year ago. A year ago, this would have been gone. Uh, oh, if there was no investors at all. If they never got the Republic funds, the millions of dollars, this would have yeah. been done, done a year ago. Um, but this is what you do. You pay back in, uh, you know, loans, and you string along this company. I mean, I've seen some people postulate that there has been really much development on this console the past two years. No, it's been smoke and mirrors for two years. It, everyone that you talk to about this was even any remote inside like knowledge of it. Everything we've gathered, uh, there has not been really any forward progress on this since 2019. The fact that we it's been showing off the scraps of what they have in new and clever ways to get more yeah. money to finish it. Yeah, we'll do some deep dive videos. We'll go out to uh, Turkey Point, as Ian says. Turkey Point. Turkey Point. And we'll go out. We'll have some of our um, cultists help set up events for us in order to uh, get more investors on board. And that's what we've seen over the past year. Turkey Point. That's what we, we've been seeing. And um, but now Nick is revealing some sort of change potentially in strategies, um, strategic changes like potentially, I don't know, getting rid of shit that the console doesn't need, like LEDs, uh, changing the design of the console to accommodate that. Here's the problem, Nick. It's way too late to think about a redesign of this console. We are way past that point. Yeah, he's talking about like board. how after the first like run comes out in some of these comments that they're going to do a, yeah. a, a smaller footprint model yeah. with one controller and no LEDs. So here's the funny thing. I, I, here's what I find funny about that. Um, th- well, just the fact that he's talking at all about releasing a slimline model when they're not even going to release <laughs> the, it sli- the uh, slim Amico. Yeah, the, the, the Amico slim, which is an Android phone or a right. tablet. Um, but also the full on admittance that it doesn't need something like the LEDs. One of those railing points from early, early on that the LEDs were going to change how games were played fundamentally. And you can use it as a display. Remember a display piece in your living room. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were going to fundamentally change how some of these games were going to be played. Insisted that they were necessary and not just a tacky add-on, yet we have never seen any examples of how they would affect gameplay so, at all other than like a brief suggestion i think by someone else on atari age about how they could use for like b12 bomber or something sure uh so kevin asked a question nine days ago that finally got a response this morning oh including uh about like how you can get funding for new games um how how are you going to compete with uh you know these other systems on a price point what is the cost of goods and the cost reduction these are smart questions or an answer for a week and a half. Um, and, and, and there are other people were asking questions about why did you uh, have the board members do these loans at these ridiculous rates when you could have got a business yep. loan for far less? And the, que- the answer is because uh, our board members want that money. I mean, that's basically what it is. That's what he said? No, he didn't say that, but that's the answer. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know you that's the answer. If, if you care about the health, Obviously, that's the answer. If you care about the health of a company, you get a business loan at a great rate. You don't do fucking 10% loans or loans at 2.5% per month. 
uh, in order to fund your, your, your business goals. Um, here's some of the responses. Nick said, with regard to your question about funding games, many large startups with significant cash requirements, we must continue to execute on our fundraising strategy to keep on plan. Funding the games is part of this. We are in discussions with a huge large mobile development companies about strategic partnership slash investment, which would give Did us... say a- mobile development companies? So he's already admitting that... I mean, these are mobile games. W- the, uh, yes. Yeah, we're, we're beyond... We're, we're beyond the- pretend or not. Which would give us access to new game IP, cross-licensing revenue, development cash, and... and and a good technical slash development partner. We also have the opportunity to apply for more for excuse me, they didn't say for more for economic development funds in Germany, which could be as much as one point two million. Keep in mind that's the reason they have most of their games is because of, of German taxpayer money. Yep, we'll just keep we'll just keep we'll just keep building in Germany. We'll just keep fleecing our friends over in Germany. Our strategy going forward is not exclusively first party. We will continue to develop games in-house with our development partners, but we'll also be licensing games that fit the intended experience for the Amico. At this point, we think we could have approximately 15 games in 2022. Yes, most of them German games or, or games that already are on other systems like Rigid Force Redux. We know that. Or Finnegan Fox, which is an ugly splash of paint. Another 20 to 30 in 2023. Yeah. Wow, that is like way lower than what they were saying. Uh, Fifty games at launch and all that. Well, Fifteen games down. total in 2022 is what they're saying now. If they're lucky, um, and that's six pack-ins. Profit and loss. Profit looks to be achievable with an annual production of 150,000 to 200,000 units. That to me doesn't mean we're going to be in the profit of 150,000 sold. That to me means we got to do that year over year. Yes, to pay back all these other loans and to have. And plus, I got to. They need money for production for these. That's why they're doing this. They, they can't just produce 150,000 units. They need the money to produce these units. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where he brings up Sam Mekovich from Ars Technica for no reason. Our cost of goods info is confidential as most companies, but I can, I can say that it is more than $100 uh, that Sam Mekovich from Ars Technica stated and, and now how many have parroted. I mean, they're done. They're done at this point. Unless they get an angel investor to give them, we'll just say ten to twenty million dollars, which, which what Tommy Tallarico claimed they had years ago, they don't. They're not have the money to produce these. That's the bottom line. They're, they're not right. I think if, if you can get to say, well, we'll get the we'll get the five thousand founders out. I don't know if they're even going to go through that charade. Twenty six hundred or twenty six hundred. I don't yeah. know if they're going to go through that charade at this point. They might, but like they're so far behind. Obviously, there's no cloud. There's no cloud uh, set up. No no servers. That we know Keep of. Keep in mind that uh, they need five million from this campaign to go to secure forward. five million from another campaign that will keep them going for not even a year, seven yeah. to nine months. Yeah, they need thirty twenty five to thirty five million additional it's, next yeah. year. Uh, our, I, I there's I I don't see any way out. Of, there's no way out of this. Our, uh, sell as many physical products that you want. Our, this is what Nick also says. Uh, our early adopters will not necessarily be cross-shopping and go against the other consoles. Really? Really? How are you so sure about that? They will typically be non-gamer families. This is what they've been uh, going uh, the whole time with. This is great because it really shows they're going for the low-information uh, consumer. Yep. They will typically typically be non-gamer families with little knowledge of the gaming industry. So you're banking on families that don't know any better that they're getting uh, something that's overpriced uh, and and basically underpowered versus the competitors. That's great, Nick. You really think still that Walmart's going to put that on the shelves next to a Switch or yeah. an Xbox or a PlayStation? You really think they're going to waste their time? 
Walmart I mean, and Target knows their audiences. They know what people are willing to pay for for certain products. You've admitted that they're just mobile games. Yeah. You've admitted that it's going to only sell the low information consumers. I mean, at, at least at least the masks off in terms yeah. of this thing not like supposed to have any appeal. It's just supposed to sell. You, you admitted that the LEDs are bullshit. Yep. You admitted that the controllers are a are, are an a, albatross, a quagmire of of just overproduced madness. Yep, the controllers, um, all this stuff. But we were haters. We were haters, according to Tommy. Um, it's, it, it sounds like stuff that they're taking from us talking about this two years ago. That hey, we should listen to some. Maybe of these we should have listened. Yeah, to these you should. You should have turned this around to, over two years ago, two and a half years ago. Is when you, you should have shifted on this stuff. Um, the secondary benefit is that there are some fun games for the parents to play as well. Because there's none on the Switch, obviously. Like, like, that's I, the yeah. other part that I, I liked. He's basically like, this is just for kids who don't know any better. Yeah. The idea that Amico is dedicated to this type of family experience and others are not is the primary differentiator. Pulling that out of your butt. This will obviously resonate more in certain segments, such as... Here we go, finally. Faith-based communities, as yep. the video game industry in general, has a poor reputation of promoting themes and behaviors that do not align well to these uh, communities. It, it, it'd be great when you, uh, your, your former CEO, this is definitely a faith-based quote. Hey, 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 let, let's face it, Rich. You know damn well, both me and you, if we had the opportunity to get a lap dance from the Little Mermaid, we'd be all over it. True or false? <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> I'm not so, going to deny that. That's right, Rich. You can't deny having a lap dance from a 15-year-old cartoon character. That's great for faith-based communities. We agree with that. Um, so, this is nuts. The system you see today will more than likely always be priced at the lower end of the other systems. But it's they're not, though, uh, because this audience would be like we always said, like uh, we always said, like 100 to 120 dollars, 20 games and get it out the door. I think that's why I always said, like, that's your your best path for success. Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, not with these awful controllers. No. We need to go, 120 bucks, 20 games, and you never make <clears throat> another fucking game after that. Or, 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 or you, I mean, you've got the SD card slot on there. You just, you release packs of games if you want to. Physical packs of games. You can. Like, you like, you, like you leave advocate. the window open, for, the door open for that, but you don't have to do anything after that. You can sell it just as the, you know, the plug and play system. Even but you would be able to expand it via an SD card. And maybe it's not like these games take up any, si- and uh, any memory. And then you don't bother with your NFT shit or your online leaderboards because yeah. no one gives a shit. Like people always say, how many people are going to have this anyway to have an online leaderboard in your city? They said, oh, we're going to have city leaderboards and state. No one in your city is going to have an Amico besides you. Like, no one. Printable certificates. Uh, printable certificates. Like, yeah. That was your path to success, we always said. Like, 120 bucks cap, 20 games, or whatever. 15, 20 games, and that's it. Um, yeah. But that said, if we simply become an alternative to the Switch with no meaningful differentiation and just try to and just try to be a cheaper, inferior version, we will obviously fail. Well, you are a cheaper, inferior version of the Switch, but you're going to cost more money. So how right. does that work out? Cheap, it's cheaper design... Cheaper games, but you're going to end up costing more than the Switch. And, and there's always going to be the comparison to the Switch because you're trying to make a family gaming device. You can't just come out here and say, well, well but that's not our market. That no. is your market because the other market doesn't exist. No. I, I guess if you went after the faith-based communities and try to market to them directly, are there many of those out there in order to turn a profit? Like at this point, I feel like that's also a real like 1980s mindset, though. Like I'm not saying that, tree mode. I'm not saying that faith based communities are always the smartest, but I also feel like they're probably beyond just buying whatever is maybe. And there's parental controls and all these anyway. Right. That's the thing. They're they're out there anyway. 
Um, and they're a pain to crack because I hate it when people leave parental controls on systems when they used to trade them into Luna. Sure. Uh, we are planning a lot. Here it is. We said we're planning on launching a less expensive model that takes out some of the extra features, such as the large array of LEDs. You can tell that Nick always does not like the, the LEDs. LEDs. But you're on board with Tommy the whole time, Nick. You're on board, and so is Phil Adam, the current CEO. You always knew some of this was bullshit. You always knew these controllers were too complicated. But you had a man-child running the company and designing the console that you got on board with. And you're profiting anyway because you're getting your salary and you're getting your loans back, uh, paid back so far with interest partially, And we, which he tried to deny in the comments. They said, oh, no, the loans aren't even getting paid back. And the people were they like, no, are. They're, they're, it it's shows in, it. It's in the SEC document. The loans have been paid back. Did he have any response to that? I don't think. Probably it's, not. No. Come on. Come on, Nick. Probably not. We're not prairie dogs. You can't take advantage of us. Oh, boy. You can't do that. We are not prairie dogs. It's no. true. Um, it's true. I am not a prairie dog. No, we're not. Um, less expensive models. The controllers being the most complex components of this. It's always great when your controller is the most complex part of the system more than the, the console itself. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that great? Once we finalize our production assembly and testing optimization and have a good... I, Good idea of the throughput we can achieve once we finalize our production assembly and testing optimization. And there's people st- still thinking this is going to come out like quarter one or even quarter two this year. There's people still thinking that this is going to happen. They're holding out hope. Yeah, I mean, it's not It's not coming out quarter one or quarter two this year. So they came and, they came and published a final price for the controllers. According to Nick, we don't we don't we don't even know what they're going to. We don't. No I know idea. that that's insane. We have no idea. Me. That's so we have no idea. crazy to me. We have no idea. A year and a half after our launch, first launch date slipped, we have no idea what the controllers are going to cost. Like not a fucking clue. Nary a clue. This is. I mean, you can't make this up. No, you can't. There's no one at this company qualified to to run a gaming company at this point. Like nobody. No adults in the room. No one with real prior. Someone asked, yeah, you got people from the software side, Interplay. Uh, what about hardware? It's like making hardware of video game consoles and shipping hardware, which is entirely different than software, which is what we always said on top of that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. All right. Well, that could have been its own, uh, could have been its own segment. It could have been. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to get that heated, to be honest, but like, you got hot and bothered because you because got sassy. It's, because it's it's this has become the chameleon like this is our worst nightmare that would happen with the chameleon. Mm-hmm. You get pre-orders to a console that may never come out, and you have investors taking for several million dollars, if not more, that they're never going to see a dime. You got people, uh, they're gone. The money's gone, and these people running the company that mismanages are profiting off of it. That's the worst nightmare. And here it is, and they were enabled partly by YouTubers. Oh, yeah. No one asking the pertinent questions. No. All right. Uh, we're sliding on into the real podcast. We're sliding. The main the main zone. What, uh, yeah. what do you want to talk Oh, Nintendo. Ian. Patrick. Um, this has come out the past week or so. I think it was last Wednesday. My printer is cleaning itself again, which always freaks me nice. out. Nice. Love it. Uh, up to 1,000 digital-only games will disappear when Nintendo closes its 3DS and Wii U stores. Nintendo officially announced they're going to be closing the stores March of next year of 2023, so about 13 months from now. 
they're going to be closing. Yeah, and I think we need to. I need to find out when you can. I'm going to try to find out when you can stop buying currency, but that ends sooner. Uh, this article says from May 23rd, 2022, it will no longer be possible to use credit cards in the store. Okay. And as as of August 29th, the real drop dead date, it will no longer be possible to use eShop cards to add funds either. So, um, you got to basically get all your money on board into that shop by August 29th, it sounds like. So, you have to add your funds. You have to add your eShop funds by August 29th. Hell, load up two grand if you want onto these five. But August 29th is the last date. So, that's really what you have to be looking out for. Yeah. Versus credit cards in May. So this is a, a real problem, and we've seen it as as companies have shut down stores before. Um, but I think it's particularly noticeable on something like the 3DS. Um, and actual game preservation is, is difficult with this. So with older systems, you know, everything got released on a cartridge or a CD. And so even if a game was rare, there were physical copies of it out there that you could pull from. Um, with the 3DS, with like the advent of online stores, um, you start to now see a lot of games that only get digital releases. They don't get any physical releases. Yeah, going back to the original Xbox, yeah. Yeah. Um, and as time goes on, you get more and more of those types of releases. So it's not just one or two games you have to worry about. It's, it's hundreds or thousands. And we're at the point now where it's hundreds of, of games. Uh, games that, you know, some of them were small-time developers, small-time indie stuff. But some of these games have big developers or, you know... Um, some are Nintendo. Uh, first party. You know, big producers attached to yeah. um, that you're not going to be able to get them anymore. And there are no physical copies out there. So everyone's got to get them and download them onto their systems and hope that their systems stay alive because the systems are going to start to break down. And it's, it's a real, it's a real tricky situation. um, So let's go before I get into, to not really counterpoint, but just a a little slight variation of that. Um, In total, according to this video games, Chronicle article, there's about 2000 games currently available on the 3ds and Wii U shop. Wii U eShop stores in the West, including there's around 450 digital-only Wii U games, around 600 digital-only 3DS games, around 100 Wii U games that are also available physically from that list, so that, that means like around 350, and then around 300 3DS games that are also available physically, so that means about 300, about half the 3DS games are digital-only there. Um, and there's also the, obviously the virtual console games that are not currently available on Switch Online that are still somewhere on those two platforms. It sucks uh, losing that, but at least those are, you know, those are safe somewhere. More. This is uh, some of the notable Wii U download only exclusive set to disappear for good. Affordable space adventures, Amiibo Tap, Chasing Aurora, Doctor Luigi. I forgot about that one. The Letter, uh, Mini Mario and Friends Amiibo Challenge, Pokemon Rumble U, Pushmo World or Pull Blocks World in Europe, and Shut the Box. Um, and there's other ones that are. Uh, Art Academy, Home Studio, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, Tipping Stars, unavailable. It was unavailable here to begin with. And Fast Racing Neo. Some big ones to point out on the 3DS would be um, Dylan's Rolling Western 1 and 2. Uh, Those are Nintendo-made games. 
that have never seen a physical release. Dr. Mario is also first-party Nintendo, losing a ton of Picross games, like eight or nine Picross games, um, including um, like Sanrio ones and Nintendo-themed ones, uh, Pokemon Picross. Um, All the Pushmo games which they like they put a huge amount of effort into like promoting those when they came out sure. and it's just like this is the only way you can get them you know that entire push all that marketing all that effort um is going to be nothing when these games disappear uh one that i really like pocket card jockey uh it's a uh, i just looked that one up sorry go on it's amazing um pocket card jockey is by game freak and it's got art by kotakuchi um, it's an amazing uh, solitaire game that integrates horse racing. It's really cute, really deep. It's fantastic. Another Game Freak game um, that's on the list, in addition to Pocket Card Jockey, is Harmonite. Uh, Harmonite's a rhythm platformer. Those are both by the people who make Pokemon. Um, so there's a lot of stuff. All of the Guild 1 and 2 games, which were um, artsier games that were done by like the likes of Suda51 okay. with Liberation Maiden. Uh, Crimson Shroud was an RPG that had a soundtrack by the guy who did, I think, Final Fantasy Tactics soundtrack. And I think some art, too. That's going to be gone. So we're losing a lot of stuff. And it's not just... Um, it's not just small throwaway titles. No, uh, but <clears throat> let's, be, we, we, let's be careful when we say we're losing it. Like, I could find these games online, like, legally, if I want to. These, these games are dumped. You can find them, get a flashcard and play them, but it's a pain in the ass. Obviously, it's not legal to do that. And you know what I mean? Like, so when, when, when you say, like, we're losing them, it's like we're losing them official means of, of getting them. So to me, that means it'll be harder for the next generation to learn about them mm-hmm. if they're not available. That, to me, is the big thing. It's more of an education thing at that point sure. versus preservation. It's more about how do we pass on the knowledge of some of these games that were available in a moment in time 20 years from now? How are we going to know about them? So that's, that, to me, yes. is, is the larger point. Is well, that, how, how, yeah, you know what I mean? I don't think that's that different than what I'm saying. Well, I mean, when you say they're lost, to me, it means like you can't get well, them well, at all. Which, I mean, you, you can't, but I mean, they're lost to the public knowledge. They're, they're, yes. they're, they're, the yeah. lack of the lack of some easy access to it is going to cause yeah. them to diminish in the terms of the public knowledge. Oh, sure. That's my point with Pushmo. There was a moment where Nintendo was gung-ho on that. The 3DS was hot. They okay. were pushing the series. They made three of those games. And it, I mean, it's it's it'll be like it never existed. Sure. Um, so... Then obviously virtual console stuff. That's not as big of a deal because I mean those are like I said. That's I mean all of those are that that sucks. That's fine. But those are all preserved. Yeah, we can you can you can play any you know Game Gear games and DS games. All these ROMs are online for all these games. You know uh, your game. I just searched for and found the ROM in a second. Sure, that you brought up. So like you can find this stuff and and you know it's it's not ideal, but yes, people will be able to play these even on original hardware if not emulation. Um, So then obviously there was. there was people talking about this, including our friends, friends of the Video Game History Foundation. If you click on that uh, Inverse article, uh, it has um, has some, it had a nice balanced sort of response to this. It has some some points and counterpoints uh, about this. Um, back in 2021, this article is from who wrote this good article here? Hayes Mads. Madsen. I never even heard of Inverse before. Back in 2021, Sony announced plans to close the digital stores for the PS3 and Vita, but reversed course after a similar backlash. But Nintendo was unlikely to change its decision, according to Sirkin Toto, a CEO of Tokyo-based games industry consultancy Kantan Games. His quote, Nintendo decided to make a cut because of commercial and operational reasons, Toto tells Inverse. One could ask how much money a $70 billion 
dollar company can really save by shutting down the eShop. But one could also ask, how long is it supposed to run until 2050? So you see both points. It's like, yes, uh, what's the reasonable expectation to keep these afloat? Is it 10 years? Is it 20 years? Is it 25? How long do you put uh, man hours and resources towards something that, honestly, no one's really using anymore? It is a point to, uh, to bring up. And, there's, and unfortunately, there's never going to be a clean answer about that. There just isn't. Uh, this is the research I did, uh, and I'm not saying what Nintendo's doing is fair or right, but let's let's uh, within reason. I talked to two people I know. One person has a, a game out there. It's also uh, on the Wii U that I know, an independent game. And I talked to another person uh, that actually had a was involved with a launch title on the 3DS. Uh, and I straight up asked the one person on the, how much you know that we were robbing conversation uh, in terms of their sales. A game that makes hundreds of thousands of years. I said, you know, how much dollars? Excuse me, hundred thousand dollars a year. How much money did you make off of Wii U in the past year? And they told me twenty bucks. Oh, sure. You're talking like one or two people or three people bought this game in the past year on it. You know, but the, then, the Wii U and the 3DS are very different. I think well, I think both of them provide good examples for and against. Sure. But I did ask about a 3DS, mm-hmm. uh, a 3DS launch title, mind you. Launch. I asked how much. You know, the, the person told me they got a royalty check for literally a dollar over the past whatever time frame, last quarter or six months. So that just shows you, it gives you an idea of just like these are barren shops, probably more so than the Wii U and 3DS. But even a lot of 3DS people have moved on to the Switch the past few years. Yeah. So, so, so when you say like, you know, why can't I keep this up? From Nintendo's perspective, like we're not making a dime off of this really at this point. We're just, we're just not. Um, so, like, why should we keep it open? So, it, it, there's got to have a conversation at some point about, um, like, what's if Nintendo came out and said something like, "This is how much this is actually going to cost us to keep this open," uh, like, they, but they were never going to do that. They're going to reveal like, "This is how much it actually would cost us to run these shops over time and have all these servers versus how much we're actually making." People at least would understand, if not agree with it, they'd be like, "Okay, we get it." You can't devote hundreds of thousands or whatever, whatever it costs for the servers when you're not making any money more, whatever it costs. You can't do that. You can't. It doesn't make any sense from a business standpoint. Uh, but um, there's got to be a, there's got to be a happy medium to this. There has to be. I don't know what it is. I know. I don't either. You want to talk about the video game history foundation's uh, statement? Sure. I thought you were about to read it because you had been looking it up. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, they said while it is unfortunate that people won't be able to purchase digital 3ds or Wii U games anymore, we understand that the business reality that went into this decision. What we don't understand is is what path Nintendo expects its fans to take. Should they wish to play these games in the future? As a paying member of the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, Nintendo actively funds lobbying that prevents even libraries from being able to access legal access to these games. Not providing commercial access is understandable, but preventing institutional work to preserve these titles on top of that is actively destructive to video game history. We encourage ESA members like Nintendo to rethink their position on this issue and work with existing institutions to find a solution. So I think that's the larger point there, is that if Nintendo obviously commercially doesn't want these available, or it's not worth their time, allowing, obviously, some nonprofits in order to at least have a location to have them stored officially. Right. Just have them stored, have them available for researchers or people to come in. Like even like A, a literal a, archive. Yeah, a, a literal museum. Hey, it's a museum. You're only going to play them at this location or whatever. We get it. We have access to everything. You know what I mean? Like a Library of Congress sort of thing, just for video games. Sure. And uh, I don't know what it would take to nudge Nintendo in that direction. I almost feel like it would it would take some sort of, like, Someone to say to Nintendo directly, hey, here's a bunch of money. 
to get you to change your mind or, you know, or something, something that, that gets them out of their sort of mold where you know, money you know, is probably the, uh, the answer. It's just how much. But like that's the other is they don't need it. But maybe if they get maybe we said Nintendo, this is how much like if you have someone say, how much does it cost you to operate these every year? Here's the fucking money. Right. Do it. But we don't know what it costs. We don't know what it costs to run these. We don't know what the cost. We don't know the man hours. We don't. We don't know what it costs to have the systems still in place or to pay out to all these devs on games that aren't getting bought anymore. We have no idea what what all this stuff costs. We have no idea what it costs to send a check for a dollar. Like what what behind the scenes, what that actually costs to have that in place. We don't know. Sure. Um, So that's really the issue. And that's where I do agree with the the History Foundation is that like we, we have to have some exceptions to this. Where it's not considered piracy. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of library system in place. Because these libraries exist. It's not like these don't exist. Right. Like, you can access, like I said, all these games are dumped. It's just that it's they're all underground. You know. So it would, lo- it would be great to have an official sort of source of that. But I don't know. Maybe they're, they're VSAs, Nintendo, they're all the large game companies and publishers. Maybe they're afraid of something weird happening with it. Yeah, we'll get closer, I think. I I think they just don't view it the same way a lot of us do. I think a lot of these companies still view this as... Toys? Disposable toys. And I think think Nintendo is smart enough to know that's not the case, but I have a feeling there's probably a lot of... There's probably still a lot of old thinking at Nintendo that this is just toys. Or they think that we'll devalue it so much even by letting... I don't know. It's... it's, Yeah. Uh, uh, Let's see what else is in this article here. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I have a lot more else to say about it. Nope. But they don't. They, just, they don't have companies. Don't care. They don't care care about preserving their history. They just don't care. Um, yeah, yeah. Pat, we have a Patreon. We do. How do you access it? You go to patreon.com dot com slash cu podcast. You go. You give us some money. <laughs> We give you some stuff in return. You get the full video podcast. You get uh, a monthly hangout. You get writing. I got to get one. Got to get one of those up soon. Uh, we also do bonus bits. We talk about bears. We talk about we talk about Hank the Tank. One of the one of the more enjoyable segments we've done. I enjoy our animal talk segments. Uh, Ian and I don't ever butt heads on animals. Rarely, rarely on food either. We're on we're on board with food food and animals. I'd say like eighty percent food, ninety five percent on the animals. Well, only eighty percent food. I'm not huge on South Beach anymore. Nachos are still great. Uh, they've, they've really taken tacos, kind tacos, of a slide. Tacos went down and came back a little bit, but I'll get you back out to. <laughs> I'll get you back out there, Ian. We can do Mitch's. Nachos on me. Mitch's is good. Um, yeah, and you whatever got, else. You got a Patreon poll. Patreon poll. <laughs> whatever else. The reason we're here. <laughs> the reason we're here. In second place, what is so great about streaming 80s commercials? I had a typo there. Uh, 48%. Wow. And we're coming, we're coming up four weeks away from my 100th uh, commercial stream. Uh, and then hardest NES boss fights at 52%. This comes from a uh, Den of Geek article that covers it. And I was nice enough, Ian, to take my time to put down videos for you to watch some of these boss fights because I'm familiar with some of these. I'm, some, I'm familiar with some of them, too, but not all of them. Uh, I have to find this Den of Geek article. It's not linked it's, down the page. It's literally it? right there. Yeah. Oh, it is? It's really under 15 hearts NES boss fight. Oh, shit. It is right there. Jeez, okay. Ian. Sorry. Sorry. It's right there. Right there. Uh, this is uh, the author, Matthew Bird. Uh, From vampires and kingpins to yellow devils and rogue shadows, these are the 15 hardest NES bosses that terrorize, terrorize our childhood. You want me to start at number one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
I still can't believe you did that. You, I, I've you, done it multiple you, times. You Patrick. broke all protocol multiple yeah. times. I've done it. You went right to one, really? Yeah, yeah. that's what I remember. Um, we've had a lot of fun recent ones looking at the history of some of the hardest games ever made, but it's hard to talk about the most difficult games of all time without giving a little love to the boss fights that often make them as challenging as they are. Okay, number 15, Ian. Great Puma from Pro Wrestling. This one I've actually encountered, and he is a... Uh, a beast. He is a fucking pain in the ass. It's a beast. Um, I have beaten him. So have I. Um, but it was uh, very hard. Uh, the only time I ever got him, I think I, I beat him by count out. Oh, uh, you beat him by count out. He went yeah, cheap. I, I think I, I beat him by count out. I don't think I ever beat him by pinfall. Oh, I beat him by pinfall. I, um, I took down the Great Puma. So the Great Puma um, probably has double the health of a regular wrestler. Yeah. Uh, and then really quick and then wins so many more grapples than it should. Oh, gets his moves off way, way yeah. too fast. And can use, yes, almost any special move in the game. That's right. I always forget about that. He can use any move. Oh, yeah. That's why he can pull from everyone's moves. Which doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. We don't know that. We don't know how much health each move takes off, but it is the guy who did Fire Pro, so he probably thought about some of those. Sure. But with Starman, uh, Starman uh, took down the Great Puma because he's one of the only characters that has a, a special move that's a running move. The flying uh, elbow, oh yeah, which is great. So I love Starman. So I just, I just would would get him down finally, then hit that move. There, uh, Judge Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit is fourteen. I never made it to the end of that game, but the boss fight um, does look particularly fucking awful. You have to cheesy. load up that 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 uh, punch, punch, right? Yeah. yeah, load him up and then like just hit him, then load it up again without getting hit. I'm looking at the video right now, uh, right here. Uh, at the end here, it has all the boss battles. It just looks like one of those sort of fights where um, you have to be close to perfect. And if you get hit, it if you get hit, your strength of your arm goes down, and he throws these things at you that will you have to start all over again. So yeah. it just seems like a nightmare. They it, it doing you can't jump doing avoid. doing what you need to do once doesn't look bad. It's the fact that you have to do it multiple times. Because with it, no mistake, because Doom th- sh- spits these things at you, but also does a punch. Yeah, and it looks like at least with the punch, you can time it, but with the spit, you won't be able to avoid something. It'll just yeah. hit. It'll just hit you. Then you get him in the corner and just keep. It's like uh, punching away until he falls uh, down, and then you hit him with your uh, whatever little little gun thing. Uh, uh, and then that's it. But yeah, it looks like hell. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look fun. It doesn't. Look, it doesn't look intuitive. Like there's no pattern. No, really. Um, okay, what's next? Uh, Machine Gun Willie from, from your favorite game, uh, Double Dragon. Hate this game, hate this boss. Uh, I played this boss more in the arcade than on the NES. The NES, I, I always had difficulty getting to even halfway through the fourth stage. The arcade, this boss sucks yeah. in the arcade. Mows you down. I think it's like two shots, your health is gone, and like that's it, another quarter. Uh, never beat it at Bowcraft Amusement Park. I ran out of money. Um, I know there's a way uh, to cheese this boss fight, but there, I, I I don't know how to do it. I, uh, I remember using the Game Genie once to get to the fourth level and then get to this boss oh, fight. Oh, you couldn't even get to the fourth level as a kid. It was tough. Um, I have, but like I just remember doing it to try to beat the game. It looks and, like, uh, at least on this video, the cheese is jump kicking him as soon as he comes through the door and you don't let him ever get down to run around. You keep him on the top. I uh, gotcha. Keep him on the top. He'll still shoot you. You're going to get shot no matter what. And then you get some hits and then he comes down. He 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 ducks most of your jump kicks. You can't do the pin down attack on him. He throws you off. It, it seems like you're going to get hit no matter what. It's just making sure you 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 zigzag in and out serpentine. Sure, serpentine. And, serpentine. And then and then after that, though, you got to take on your your evil nemesis, you know, your brother. Right. 
You take on uh, Jimmy, because remember, it's only a, a single player in the arcade. You fight the other person. That just seems like almost like a Puma thing where they're going to get their hits in. You better just make sure you spam and get some of them in and have enough health remaining. Right. You know what I mean? Just get up close because he'll headbutt you. Do the, the elbow The elbow's the cheapest move in the game. The elbow's powerful, uh, but it looks like he'll even jump over that and jump kick you. So, all right, what's next here, Ian? Fester's Quest, the alien computer. Um, this was one that I have never been to on my own because Fester's Quest is difficult. I, I like zero, the game. Zero. I think I played Fester's Quest three times at my cousin. I, I don't have it. Uh, it looks challenging. The video shows him cheesing it. That's really all I've got to say. Cheesing it by one. just standing in the middle and just shooting it real quick and using like an invincibility thing, it looks like. I'm looking at the video here. Um, it looks tough because there's these there's these uh, lasers in the middle that shoot really quickly. You need you need a, a wave gun, and then there's these little things up top that come out. These little balls that can come at you. It looks and but yeah, it looks like at that point you have a powerful weapon with a missile that shoots all over. So it looks like you're cheesing it. It's still difficult, and you know, but it's still cheesing it. There, and it, and it, it takes over three minutes for the boss. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, this should be two minutes. That's still a long time for a boss when you're shooting it constantly. Uh, there. Uh, let's see what's next here. Uh, the next one was that wasn't um, it was Needleman Mega Man Three's Needleman. Um, I honestly, I remember Needleman being difficult, but I think picking any Mega Man boss is kind like any regular boss is kind of cheap on the uh, on the list because they all have a weapon that's going to take them out pretty easily. Even even Needleman. Let me see Needleman here. Let me see. I'm not familiar with Mega Man that much. You know that. Let me see if, how, what, what Needleman's going through here. Um, it, it's because Needleman's pattern isn't really, they, like they say in the article, it's not really random, but it's still, it's difficult enough to be a pain in the ass. So they're using the little ray weapon that bounces off the wall. So this person is getting to shooting it and it's missing or and then almost hitting it every time on the rebound. Um, yeah, he's, he's doing his little needle attack, which hits you like a long reach and then fires from above. And that's a tough boss yeah. because it tracks you, the needles, there's multiple needles. You got to keep moving away. And if you're getting close, you get you get wiped with the, the head attack. That looks like a tough ball, but this person still beat him in less than a minute. <laughs> so, but it looks like you need that ray weapon to help. Yeah, uh, his weakness is the Gemini laser. Okay, so that's a tough one. Okay, what we got next here? On here we have next, we have um, Toad Air Marshal from Bucky O'Hare. This is a little shooter stage. It looks like uh, not familiar. Are you familiar with this boss? No, I am not. Okay, I'm clicking on the little link here. I'm going through it. Um, it looks like it's a it's a not a short boss. It looks like it's a multiple stage boss. The first part's a little shooter where he tosses a, a little grenade at you, which explodes and comes up. It doesn't look like the worst thing, but it doesn't look easy at all. Um, and there is fire in the background, but it doesn't look super difficult right there. And then there's a, then there's a, a boss. No, that's it. That's oh, that's it. Okay, that doesn't look like the hardest thing. It doesn't look easy. That doesn't I, I look the hardest thing. I think they just thing. say because it's it's a jarring change of pace. I also would have to wonder what the hitbox is like on your character. Wa- you watching the video? It doesn't look horrible. It it it's a big hitbox on your character. Um, you, it looks like you get to stay near the top of the screen. You it's really the splash damage from the grenade that you have to watch out for, and you get your hits in. It doesn't. Again, this doesn't look easy. I don't think this would be ultra challenging compared to some of the other ones. But okay. Maybe some people out there think that this one is harder uh, here. Okay, what we got next here? Uh, this one I've actually been to, and I don't remember it being that hard. I agree with this one. This one I was kind of shocked at because even as a kid, me and my friend beat this for by myself. I'm like, 
The final boss from Jackal. It's long. Uh, like, there's a lot to it, but I don't remember it being uh, particularly difficult. You blow up a building, and there's a giant tank inside, and then you have to take out the tank. Yeah. And uh, I'm even looking not at the Hank video the, now not, to not, make not sure. Hank I, the tank. It wasn't Hank the tank. No, it wasn't Hank the tank. Okay. But I'm looking at this video now, and, it, yeah, it's, it doesn't even look that hard. I mean, it's... The, the early part's a little much with all the stuff, but once you get to the tank, it's it's not... You this have, was one of those games where, like, I'm not saying it, it was, you know, the easiest game in the world, but I was okay. able to beat this game as a teenager, sure. and I am not good at video games. So there's little there's little tanks on the ground that are shooting at you, yeah. and little people uh, there, and then you have turrets firing at you that are tracking you. So it's one of those bosses where you have to constantly pay attention more to what's attacking you first before sure. you attack that and playing defense. But that's not but it's a, not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable. No, it's not. And then you're right. Once you blow up the tower, you have a big tank appear. And honestly, the once, big tank isn't that big of a deal. It looks tough, but honestly, I'd rather be focusing on just the one tank versus everything by, you know, yeah, on the, no, ground the second half is way easier than the first half. I do recall that. It looks like if you, if you lose the missile, you're kind of screwed because you have to get closer to it. But it, no, this isn't the most difficult thing in the world. I love Jackal. Jackal's a great game. Jackal's fell, fantastic. Fell asleep during, during the first NES marathon. Yes. Yes, he did. And then your whistling woke me up. You didn't know I was asleep. <laughs> I just literally woke up. I fell asleep for 20 seconds and woke up, and that was it. My five-hour energy kicked in. Uh, Mr. Big in NARC is an absolute pain in the ass. I don't know if I play that. Uh, that NES. game is a pain in the ass, though. Like, oh, no. The entire oh, oh, game yeah. on the NES oh, is a oh, yeah. miserable oh, no, mess. I know. I remember renting that game and be like, what the hell did I get Same. myself into? Same. Oh, yeah. And uh, using the game genie to beat it as well, because I realized uh, that there was no playing this game for real. It's a four-button arcade game. Yes, which and, and, and instead of using like the start and the select buttons as additional buttons, which still would have sucked, tap. they use a tap or a hold method for the NES game, and it sucks. Which you get used to for the machine gun. Yes, but for the jump thing, it's for the crouch, jump it's and crouch. It sucks. But that's about all you can do, though. Like you can crouch and shoot the machine gun at the same time. But I it's an awful fucking game. Um, I don't remember why the boss is hard uh, because it's just constantly. Going up, I think it goes up and down, just shoots at you constantly. Is that why? Yeah, I just remember uh, it being just a pain in the ass. Yeah, just a pain in the ass. Uh, covers the screen in instant death projectiles. Okay, yes. okay. What's next? We got here. Uh, we have Shadow Link. Shadow Link. Yes, difficult. You can cheese it, but if you're not cheesing it, it's very difficult. Shadow Link is like one of the uh, the knights on steroids. Yeah, where like the AI is just ratcheted up to another degree. It's a pain in the fucking ass. Um, I remember. I think I beat it once. When I was a kid, I believe. And it was one of those almost things where it was just determination and luck. I don't think I cheese it. It was just like, just, just, it's a mad scramble from what I remember. You know what I mean? Right. It's almost like you can't go up and try to like, try to gauge where the shield's going to be. You just got to like, try to go hit and come out. But that thing is fast and fierce. Uh, it's according to the article, Shadow Link's ability to mimic your movements and attacks makes him one of the most uniquely challenging enemies in this game, as well as in the history of the Zelda franchise. It's an incredibly erratic encounter that most players won't stand a chance of beating unless they take advantage of a particularly useful glitch. What is that? In the corner thing? You go in the, the corner? Corner, kneel, and attack, I think, is what it is. I'm trying to remember if that's how I, if I cheesed it as a kid or not. Um, the Technodrome in Ninja Turtles is tough. Yeah, fuck that. Um, I beat it as a kid, but that's like... Never. Uh, the funny thing is that's probably... It gets once you get inside Tetrum, it's hell on earth. Yeah, never beat. I, I got the Shredder once as a kid and couldn't beat Shredder because as a kid I didn't farm for the scrolls. It's really the scrolls is what makes that game beatable. And uh, but I remember that Technodrome being bad. I probably I probably wiped out at least two of my four turtles to get through that Technodrome. 
I mean, like, constantly switching. Yeah, and this article says what I recall. There's no, like, good way to cheese it either. You just have to do it. You just got to, like, there's there's a little, uh, there's the the lasers, there's the the foot soldiers. Let me see the video real quick. I'm forgetting it. I haven't played. I should really try to play, uh, try to beat Ninja Turtles since I never uh, did it before. I I did not put that one down here. But, yeah, the Tectodrome sucks. Uh, number five, Yellow Devil. Yellow Devil. Yellow Devil is a pain in the ass. It, it, there is a pattern to it, and I've seen people who are really, really good at it. You can learn the pattern to the level the Yellow the Devil. Bricks. Yeah, of yeah. how it like fires everything out, but it's it sucks, man. Do there? Do you use the cheat to beat it, where you pause it when it's on? Yeah, when you fire on, you do yeah, a pause. That, I have. That's like what's amazing about that is that why isn't that an end level boss? Like why didn't they put that at the end of a, of a stage? I guess they want to make sure that all the robot masters are. Well, that is that is uh, it's the Wily's castle sure. boss. So I'm just saying, like that's an impressive boss. Yeah, and, and also how it goes and reconstitutes itself. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's a really good boss. No, it's a really look. Cool I'm giving Mega Man credit. Yep, for yeah for the first game, the first end after three. Um, then Jackio Ninja Gaiden is really tough. Um, Jackio is tough because it's three. It's a what three stage boss. Yep. And then it does replenish your health, I think, on the last one, I believe. That last boss, though, he flies around the top with the heat sinking, um, whatever, uh, orb that comes at you, whatever. You got to, like, jump certain angles to avoid it and then go on the pedestals ahead. It's a, you got to be top skilled. You can't cheese that, really. Right. You just got to be skilled and keep moving. I did put that video down of that, didn't I? Did I not put that one down either? Yeah. yeah, uh, No, I didn't for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, that boss is tough um, as well. You don't get a, move, a moment to breathe, as it says here. Then uh, Joker and Batman. Um, I've never made it that far because the okay. game is very, very difficult all the way around. Okay. Um, I do think he looks like a pain in the ass here. Mostly it's the fact that that lightning takes so much fucking health from you. And uh, his gun does, too. Like, you're just dead in no time. So while there's definitely a pattern that you can follow here... Um, there is a pattern. It's just um, one of those games where if you make a couple mistakes, you're, you're fucked. Yeah, you you can't you can't mess it up. I, I've only beaten with save states. So he fires a gun at you. The lightning comes down in rows. So you have to know the exact distance away. That I remember. You, you know the exact distance away of like you can kind of figure that out. He can be uh, cheesed. I mean, and it shows him being cheesed in this video with the batarangs and, and by going close, really, really close, going close, and you can still get hit. But like. Well, how's it not hitting him? Oh, it's, it's, not a, it's not a cheat on. It's just no. getting close. And he runs the other side. You get close and just battering. But the until hell out you of know him. to stay very close, that's like one of those things that's like a bug. The game wants you to have to deal with all of these fucking patterns and bullets. Yeah, they want they want you to deal with the lightning and then and then the gun. You can't duck right. You, can, you have to jump over the gun. Yeah. And so if you I, want to play I, it on their terms, it's going to be difficult. And the gun fires super quickly. Fast. Yep. So it's almost like one of those things where you're going to take hits. Oh, this person cheesed it though. There you go. A lot of hits it takes, too. My God. It's like 100 hits before that. I, I think I cheesed it when I played it. Yeah, I got close. I got. I don't remember jumping back. I remember it, I remember the Joker staying in one area more so. Mm. Wasn't going back and forth. And I got close and was crouching and firing the batarangs. Uh, what's next here? We got number two. Dracula Castlevania 3. Um, Castlevania 3 is a very difficult game. And... Dracula's boss fights are usually pretty difficult too. I don't remember personally, and it's been a long time. It's been a while. There being anything that was particularly stand out about the Dracula in Castlevania Three. I never, beat, I I never beat the third game, so could be wrong. 
The third one's one I never really got into. I just never, for whatever reason. So I'll pass on uh, on, um, on judgment of that. But so, the, so, so he fires these these uh, flames up from the floor. Mm-hmm. So you kind of you see him coming. There is a warning, so you can avoid them. So I'm trying to think like what where does it get? That's the first stage. Then it turns into, then it turns into the the this weird face monster that flies around, and then it fires straight down. That doesn't look too hard. And then what's then it falls apart. Then there's a third phase. Okay, this is called the phases. There's all these phases that are radically different than, than, than one another. The third phase is, is a statue shooting these beams, and there's platforms that go around. I guess you can jump on, but they're using the uh, the magician, whatever his name is, to fire the orbs. So like you're out of danger if you if you can switch to that character. It looks like so that's the the third stage. Okay, okay. I mean, honestly, I never played this one. I would think Castlevania 1 looks harder than this. That's just me. Right. Because Castlevania 1, the things are constantly jumping around, and Dracula's like that. You And then your that, jump you, has to be perfect yes. to get over the fireballs. This doesn't look like you need that level of perfection to, right. compared to the first game. At least to me. But you can say, Pat, you never played it. And number one, drum roll. Mike Tyson from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Um, this person said it somehow somehow feels right that Mike Tyson tops his list ahead of Dracula, the Joker, and various mythological monsters. Considering the former heavyweight champion was indeed the baddest man on the planet at the time of Punch-Out's release, one of the few fighters ever who brought the true final boss energy to the ring. There's no real trick to beating Mike Tyson. In order to overcome one of the toughest, toughest bosses in Nintendo history, you need to memorize his complex pattern and imperfectly execute a complex series of dodges and punches that will leave you feeling that you just went 15 rounds with the actual Mike Tyson. Um... I don't disagree with this. Uh, and this yeah, is why. very difficult. It was not just the fact that there's no cheesing Mike Tyson. Y- yeah, you can know the pattern's coming, but you still are going to get hit or have to block. You're going to take damage. Yes. You still have to dodge. You still have to, you still have, to have, I mean, like the best um, reflexes of, of any NES game, like arguably. You, you, need to, you need to react in a tenth of a second. Like It has to be that quick to dodge those uppercuts. Has to be right. Um, so like you can't like hey, you can't play it in LCD TV with even a little, even a tiny bit of lag. Depending on TV, you can't do it. Um, it's also the intimidation factor. Holy shit! It's Mike Tyson, and when you come into it, you don't know what to expect. So I can guarantee, I can guarantee you, no one on the planet beat Mike Tyson the first time they faced him. Like that would no, absolutely not. That would be an impossibility to me, unless unless you were a genius that knew that. You know, the one hit fucking deaths were coming for the first, uh, no, 90, whatever it is, 90 seconds of the first round. I've seen people not get past that ever. I get past that, not be able to have the reflexes to get past those uppercuts that take off your entire, uh, you know, for the first round to just put you down for the count. They're so um, quick. Yeah. You get, the, you, get, you get a flash for literally, it's like so over. Like, I, I can't, it's hard for me to think of another NES game where you need that much reflexes in order to beat a game like that. Not a, not a robot master. You need to be that quick. Um, yeah. I, I, I remember playing Super Spy Hunter for the book, and, like, you had to be really on the ball. But, like, I don't think it was like this. And, for and, Super that's, Spy Hunter? That's, a, that's a, like a shooter. Yeah. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is it. This is the game. So, yeah. I don't disagree with that. All right. Well, thank you, Den of Geek. And thank you for voting it. Yeah. Out there on the Patreon. Fun. I like uh, doing these listicles. Uh, we got uh, we got voice messages. Oh, do we? Go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You go. You leave a voicemail. No money involved. I mean, if you want to send us a tip, you can do that. I'm sending us a little Patreon. But uh, we got some questions, and uh, here you go. 
Hey, Pat and Ian, I know you're both wrestling fans, and it seems like there's only a tiny handful of pro wrestling games that are actually good. The main problem, in my opinion, ah. is that wrestling games are designed like fighting games where all these contingencies need to be made for it to simulate what we see on TV. Also, these games have evolved, but the core gameplay still comes down to who wins matches. In reality, win-loss records are a relatively minor detail in pro wrestling. Having the right combination of athleticism, charisma, and aesthetics, building rapport with the audience, and nurturing relationships with the right people backstage is what really matters. Do you think those types of aspects could be captured in a modern pro wrestling game if we threw out the tried-and-true fighting game type formula? What do you think? I don't know, because then you're admitting that it's staged, and it's not a, like a sport, a traditional sport. And wrestling games, for the most part, treat it like it's real, like it's a reality. Right. You know? It would be difficult, um, but I, I do think there is a place for that type of game. And there is a, um, there is a, a, a well-made I've – I've never put it into action and played it, but I've read the rule book a number of times, and it gets good reviews online. Uh, Worldwide Wrestling is a pen-and-paper RPG that – um, fully embraces all aspects of that. When you okay. when you fight, you work a match. Like you work the match, you you coordinate to get the ratings up. There's backstage stuff. There is stuff that happens to you in your personal life that's outside of your character life. Um, it's a really interesting contract stuff. Things yeah, like that. There, there's it's a really interesting game with a really like cool rule set, and I think you could probably successfully play it with about six people. And there's uh, the GM duties rotate, so everyone gets to play a wrestler, okay. but the GM and the announcer kind of play the same role as you're officiating the match what, what, oh there's actually an announcer someone's gonna like say like hey this is the match so basically okay. so basically the wrestlers decide what they're going to do and then the announcer is the one who basically puts it into action and says exactly what's happened does die roll and stuff like that it's neat so the wrestlemania rumors are trying to get stone cold back for a match that's the rumor jesus hey guys love this show uh, i got a question for ian ian Sorry to make it depressing, but um, you've been very open about your mental health in the past. And so my question for you is that hundreds, maybe thousands of viewers and listeners think to themselves, I need help. But the idea of talking to a stranger is a little too scary to them. So what would your advice for that person be? I mean, I, I hate to say it, but that's just one of those things that that kind of is part of the the first step is is you is getting over that fear of talking to someone. Um, if you think that there might be a person that you're better suited to talk to, for instance, I had a good when I was younger. I had a good relationship with my uh, general practitioner. Um, so I spoke with her initially about the mental health problems sure. that I was having because I'd been seeing her for so long. And while that wasn't her area of expertise, she knew me well enough that she knew where to kind of point me in the right directions to go. Um, <clears throat> I also think if you are concerned about, you know, speaking to a doctor or medically about it, um, therapy, therapy is something that has helped me. Uh, there are a lot of places that will do and this is one of those things where I would actually I, – I, I have a little trepidation because I've never really done it to start off. But I think this is one of those areas where the, um, the rise of telehealth could very much 
help someone. Oh, sure. It's fine. It's fine. Right. Now, you're going to have to go and especially if you go to a psychiatrist or something, if you might take if you might end up uh, on some medication, you're going to have to go see a psychiatrist. They're going to want an in-person, mm-hmm. you know, appointment take, at some point, take some blood work, you know, your height, weight, get those tests and, and, and you know, get a full picture of you. But eventually you can move on to that. I, I, I moved on to telehealth for most of my appointments. And honestly, it took a doctor that I wasn't super comfortable seeing in person and made the experience a lot better by being able to do it on the telephone. So I, I, I think that's I or would resume. Say, yeah. So I think that's where you should look is, is look at your local, look at what's available to you locally and then ask about their telehealth options so you can do it from the comfort of your own home. I got to tell you, doing those appointments with Spike in my lap definitely makes things a lot, lot easier. And then the one thing to uh, understand about it is that everyone has these sort of issues. Right. Absolutely. Even if they're not vocalized uh, and publicly. So there's no shame in having mental health issues. That's the thing. There's always a stigma attached to it when you, you should treat it like any other general you know, physical health issue. That's the thing. Like we, we have to look at it the same way. It's like having, you know, it's like having a sprained ankle. It's just, but it's, but it's in your head. That's it. it it's still something that has to, you know, you, something that has to be addressed. And there's no shame in having it addressed the same way you would, when there's no shame in addressing, you know, like a cavity in your tooth, you know, you have someone help you with it. It's the same thing. And I think that's the first step realizing that it's not something to be ashamed of. Like everyone has, you know, mental health issues to some extent. Absolutely. Uh, what's the next one here? Hey, y'all. Joseph from Richmond, Virginia here. Did your parents ever buy you a game that they shouldn't have at the time? My mom bought my brother and I as young children Conker's Bad Fur Day because she thought it was the sequel to Banjo-Kazooie and didn't understand the rating system. And she also bought my brother uh, Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball when he was 14 because he is gay and she was hoping that it would convert him to be straight and <laughs> we laugh about it today and call it uh, dead or alive extreme gay conversion therapy thank you well i guess you got more enjoyment out of it <laughs> out of that presence wow okay jeez uh, my parents i don't think really ever I mean, it's also it's like, what is appropriate? Uh, my parents were, though, like kind of picky as a kid. It was funny, like Mortal Kombat was like a thing. They were like, we're not buying that for you. But my dad also came home with Doom 2 and was like, let's all sit down and play some Doom 2. Like, it's just what your um, parents say. Like, you realize parents just make it up as they go along. No, for me, I can give you a laundry list of movies I shouldn't have seen. Sure. With my father, especially in the theater. My father took me to see violent ass movies and rented them all the time. Uh, fortunately, I don't think it screwed me up to the extent that it could have. There's no way I should have been watching uh, Predator when I was seven years old. Like, literally watching this stuff as soon as I come out. And, right. and then going to see um, uh, RoboCop, which scarred me as a kid. Oh, RoboCop is not that a movie for children. scarred me as a kid, RoboCop. Yeah. I can't believe that. Um, and then, like, going to see Lethal Weapon 2 in the theater. Like, like really violent movies. Absolutely. Uh, next one. I was just wondering if you guys ever considered Spy vs. Spy for the NES as probably one of the first roguelikes, because I was actually playing it the other day, and the maps are random, where the atoms are random, and I just felt like, I was like, wow, this is pretty much a roguelike. Um, A roguelike would be like a randomized map, wouldn't it? I get what he's saying because there's randomized elements, but not everything that has some randomization yeah. is a roguelike or even a roguelite. The gameplay is just so out of the ordinary different that I would not 
I wouldn't consider because because one of the other main things about roguelikes, in addition to the randomized dungeon, is the nature of pretty much all of them give you one chance to run through something. Oh, okay. You get one chance. Okay. And then, you know, some roguelites are kind of the ones where you can, you know, when you die, you'll get money that'll save that you can use to purchase upgrades that'll help you in your next run. But you're almost always starting over from scratch in some way, shape, or form to get through a roguelite. So a roguelike, rogue, roguelite. Um, so no, I wouldn't consider it one. But I, I, I mean, I, I understand his train of thought. I understand sure. the train of thought. Hey, Pat and Ian. Uh, my name is Andy. I'm just from outside Chicago. Chicago. I just want to thank you guys for many years of podcasting videos, all that great stuff. Um, you guys, along with uh, James Rolfe and other guys in the community, um, got me through a lot of dark times in my life to help me appreciate myself, especially uh, abusive ex-wife who didn't appreciate me being a gaming collector, nerd, Ninja Turtle fanatic, etc. Um, but thankfully, um, it's been almost 10 years since I've been away from her and I've been in a great marriage with my current wife and three-year-old son. Uh, my quick question is, if there was a startup sound you could have to your video game console, what would it be? Um, well, what would your startup sound be to a console? Uh, it'd be Spike yelling. Does Spike actually yell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he yells at night. Or like a velociraptor? Yeah, he, he meows real loud. So yeah, I would actually probably Does do he meow for food or just for attention? I think he's just, you know, he gets up in the middle of the night. He's old, he doesn't know exactly what's going on. Where am I? Where, where am I? Who's out? Who's needs to yell for where? a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Startup sound. Um, well, was there anything on here I can do here? What? That'll be my startup sound. <laughs> you still don't know what that is. No. That's so funny. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Joe from Orlando. I have a question for both of you, and please forgive me if you've already had this question. Were there any ad campaigns growing up that you vividly remember and may have made you purchase a specific game or console? I still remember the Genesis Does campaign, and I actually sold my NES along with 20 games to get a Sega Genesis with Sonic 2. A decision I was really happy with at first, but I would later regret years later. The advertising definitely had an impact on me, and I can still remember all of the commercials by heart. Thanks, guys. Take care. Uh, none that I think really made me like go out and buy a game, but I I will never forget Mortal Monday. Oh, no one forgets that dumb kid. Yeah, I'll never Yelling forget. Mor- yeah, I'll never forget Mortal Monday. Little brat. No one forgets that kid. So, um, the TurboGrafx sixteen commercials were, I think, very influential in me wanting the system. <laughs> Obviously, knowing about it, there's no other way I would know about TurboGrafx sixteen. Right. Besides the circulars, but like those were very influential. Uh, whenever they started writing those, like summer of of, of uh. Summer of 89. Those were, those were big. All right, do a few more here. Hey, guys. It's Quick Command from the northeast of the UK. Okay. Just wanted to say uh, congratulations on 300 episodes. It's been a long, long ride. It's been a while. Um, my question is, what fighting game characters do you really like? The uh, appearance of personality of the whole character, but you just absolutely cannot stand playing as. Um. So I think so the what, question was, what fighting game characters do you really like the look of that you cannot stand playing as? Okay. The look of. <sighs> um, generally, I, 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 I like a lot of the grappler characters in fighting games, the way they look, the big characters. I think partially because, so like Potemkin in uh, Guilty Gear, Big Band in Skullgirls, uh, Geef in Street Fighter. Um, King. 
King. Yeah, I like King King's a lot. King's awesome. But I am it's really, really bad with any fighting game character that you, that that's a grappler because they generally have the like the full circle throws of the joystick and stuff right, like that. And mess, I just you can mess people up with King if you know how to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I'm just I'm I'm generally okay, not very Northern good with Lights them. suplex German suplexes power bomb. I got halfway decent with Zangief in four maybe. But I like that's probably the best I've ever done. Well, he was he was tough to use in the original because he was so slow and couldn't jump. Yeah. And I still to this day can only do the po- spinning pile driver like one out of like eight or nine times. I it's for some reason the mechanic escapes me on the timing of everything mm-hmm. without him doing a regular suplex or someone else. Yankee has so many, even the original game has so many. There's like seven different things he can do. There's a little power bomb, he can bite you, you can do oh, a yeah. su- vertical suplex. Uh, throw over the shoulder. They're all nuanced things with the controller that weren't documented in the even the manual. Uh, but like the 360 power driver, you'd be like perfect on the timing to not jump. Like that's one that always, uh, is, you know, one I couldn't get. Yeah, tough, tough stuff. Tough stuff. Tough stuff. All right, next one. Hey, Pat, uh, this is Richard uh, calling from Bronx, New York. Bronx. Uh, you mentioned on your podcast that you haven't seen uh, Taken a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Okay, guys, stop real quick. I confused that with the Carpenter one about the police station. I confused them. Taking Pelham 123 is the one where they take over the train. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I did see a lot of that with Walter Matthau, the original one. And then they did the remake with Tra- Travolta and uh, Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did see a part of it with Matthau before I cut you off. And that's uh, Matthau, you can watch it anything. But go on, Richard. I was telling you that uh, 1974 version is one of my favorite movies Pretty of all time. Actually, I worked for the New York City subway. I actually had Kaz Dolowitz's old job there at Grand Central Tower, and we quote that movie on a daily basis. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great movie. If you never saw it, nope. I, guess I haven't seen it all, but I've seen enough. Where I'm like, this is a gritty '70s sort of movie with Mathau as the guy running the uh, the, the, the subway sort nice. of stuff. Yeah, he, he's the guy talking to the terrorists on the train, and then again, Travolta. They made the terrorists in the one of the last Travolta things where he was like a leading man in a movie. That was bald Travolta stage. Bald Travolta. <laughs> the last stage of Travolta. Gotti Travolta. Before, no, that was the rug Travolta. Oh, yeah. Right, do you like two more? Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. Rick Pasley here from Rensselaer, Indiana. I have a great, I have a great question for, for oh. both of you. If, if, if WWE 2K22, let's say it flops, what, what, what would happen? I don't... No, but I don't think these games ever flop because all the fanboys buy these games every year. So I right. Mean, like, I like don't Madden. think you have to worry about it flopping. What will uh, happen is, is it could absolutely be a critical nightmare. But as long as it sells to the fanboys, they'll keep them going. But I do think there is a big, big chance. Big, big? Big, big. Uh, <laughs> big, big chance that this has got a good pop on that one. Um, that this will be a fucking nightmare. Because well, it's, it's a new engine. It's a new engine, but that's the problem. The Ukes engine or engines like the Ukes engine have just been for so long how wrestling has gone that if they try to reinvent the wheel, I don't think it's going to go super well. Well, they can probably do a similar gameplay engine. But I have but... a feeling it's just going to look like the Ukes engine. But yeah. buggy? I don't know. I, I just... the. 
what I heard about how bad the code looked, essentially, after years and years of yeah, 2K like and Yuke's kind of cobbling it together. 15 years of cobbling together, more than 15, yeah. It was a nightmare. So yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see it if they really hack. do have a that, fresh engine. Yeah, they had to keep hacking stuff. So eventually, like, this is falling apart. Yeah. yeah. And then you have, like, Ronda Rousey's arms waving around. And, right. And people falling through the rings, and you can't have that. Jericho's brain leaving his skull. Was that one? I think that was one the of the brains them, yeah. were in there. Or it was like no, the, the face. Eye, was, yeah, yeah, the, the, the eyes, face comes off. Yeah, yeah the face right. comes off. I mean, come on. Uh, you want to check in with someone else? Yeah, might as well. Hey, Tommy here. Just going for a little hike with my shirt off. <laughs> Figure it would be good to, I don't know, clear my head and maybe even give me some kind of understanding of certain people and why they might. Stab me in the back like this? You know, it's like you can't do enough to some people. It doesn't matter how many times you give them a ride in your Ferrari. Just you can turn around one day all of a sudden and just one day boom boom. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's like you know, not for nothing. My time is really valuable as shit. Oh man, I swear to god. If I throw up in the middle of another fucking voicemail. Oh, Pat, by the way, I don't know if anybody told you, but this past podcast isn't showing up on iOS, so you know, <laughs> get it together, man, you're, you're embarrassing yourself. <sighs> oh, okay, yeah, thanks, I didn't realize it wasn't coming up on iTunes. Was he being swarmed by mosquitoes? I don't know, was I, I, heard, I, heard, I heard construction in the back, I heard, I heard a highway in the background, I, yeah. I, I like sort of pensive, philosophical... Hiking uh, Tommy there. That was yeah. interesting. Without a shirt. I don't know who would want to create content without a shirt. Uh, someone desperate, but anyway. Right. Uh, thanks so much for that. I, I, I like that. I like that uh, that version of, uh, of yeah, Tommy. Yeah, great. It was wonderful. Uh, that's it for the podcast, Ian. That's it. We're done. <laughs> We're done for good. We're done. Uh, an hour 40. A little bit lower than usual. We'll get the time down, but the intros go long. But, you know. Yeah. We got to talk about uh, uh, prairie dog killing scumbags. So there you go. That's right. You got to do that. We do. More and more point that out more and more uh we're gonna be at uh, the socal gaming expo in ontario california it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun we're gonna get your your korean barbecue in that we like probably one night maybe sure the the yoshi will be there maybe and others and others we'll probably see andre oh we'll see andre alex and gerard will be there nice it, it'll be a gay old time as i say in the flintstones our pal eric will be there from retail archaeology oh he will mm-hmm. oh we're gonna have to get a get a get a reservation there. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll see you later, everyone. All right. Bye. Have a good week.